Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. What's good, Sandals Church? It is an honor to be with you today as we begin this new series. You know, the New Year's has a way of connecting all of us as people in a really special kind of way. Regardless of where you come from, your ethnicity, your background, there's something about the New Year that really creates within us an anticipation for the future. We long for these things. And I think that's one of the reasons why all of us get excited about the New Year in some way or some shape. There is a part of us deep in our souls that longs for new beginnings. We long for a fresh start. There is something about the new year that creates this hope that man will be able to set aside the things of the past, the stuff that's happened, and we look forward to the future. But if we're being honest today, though, a new year doesn't always guarantee a better future. We make changes, right? We go to the gym, we get gym memberships, people come back to church, we set these goals, and we have these ideas about who we can become in this new year. But it's not so much that a new year actually guarantees a better future. In fact, we sense this too. I think it kind of is creating a subtle anxiety in all of us, especially after the last two years of what we already walked through, that maybe 2022 will just be like the previous ones that we've had. And so what if things don't change? You see, for us today, I think we need to consider the right kind of changes. It's the right kind of shifts that we need to imagine for our lives if we're going to become anybody different. For all the talk of the external change around us, we need to set that aside and think about the internal change, the things on the inside, the things that we can actually control. And for us, as people who follow Jesus, we realize that it's actually Jesus, not January, right, that's got the power to change us and make us new. As we swing around this new year, we look not to just, you know, a month or the reading of the stars. Um, we look to a person. A person can actually transform us. And so regardless if you're, you know, following Jesus or not, what are the changes that you hope for this new year? But more importantly, how do you plan to actually get there? You see, I think from God's word today, there is a way forward for us. And so let's read together from Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. And in just reverence for the reading of God's word, I'm going to ask that if you are willing and able, wherever you're at, that you would stand for the reading of God's word. We do this as we remember that the same Holy Spirit who inspired these words, that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same Holy Spirit now speaks to every single one of us. And here is what we Take from Proverbs 14. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Let me read that again. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And God, as we look to a new year, a new series, a new direction, a new hope, would you speak to us now? 
and give us what we need. Would you help us, as Solomon said, to give thought to our ways and the things that we do? Would you make us who we are not yet in Jesus? And so now as we share this moment together, God, would you open up our hearts? God, would you open up our ears and our minds to receive what you would have for us today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You could be seated. In his 2017 retirement speech, uh, Kobe Bryant was center court speaking to a packed Staples Center in front of fans, family, old teammates. And at one point of his retirement speech, he said these words, and he actually directed them towards his daughters that night. He said, you know, and we know that if you do the work, that dreams come true, of course. But those times that you get up early and work hard, those times that you stay up late and work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway, that is actually the dream. That, I'm sorry, it's not the destination, it's the journey. If you guys can understand that, then your dreams won't come true, something greater will. If you can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. Powerful words from Kobe. Now, I think what he's getting at here is that there is a temptation for all of us to kind of fixate ourselves on the destination and lose sight of the journey. He's saying something greater than our own dreams will come true, right? And then we have this temptation, whether you think about, you know, your year and your goals or just the month or even the week, the day, right? We all have these kind of finish lines in our life. Every single day, there's kinds of tasks that we just want to get through and be done with. We have our inboxes that we just want to be done with, right? We have our projects that we just want to finish. We have these deadlines that we just got to make it to. If I could just get this project done, if I can just get this area cleaned, if I can just organize this part of my life, then I'll be the kind of person I want to be. Or I'll feel the way that I want to feel. There is a temptation for all of us to fixate on the destination and miss out on the journey. And that's Kobe's point. And the point he's making, I think, is also the same point that King Solomon is making. Give attention, give thought to your ways. In other words, you have these goals, but how do you plan to get there? I have a desire to get my kids down at 7.30 so I could just have some peace and quiet. And I can fixate on that destination, but how do I plan to get there? More importantly, who do I want to become in the process to getting there? You see, it's not just the destination, it's the journey. It's us, as Solomon says, giving thought to our ways. Because he says the prudent person. Now, that, that's someone who basically uh, considers the long game effect of what they're doing. The wisdom of the prudent person. In other words, someone who considers their decisions and what they will do to themselves over time is the person that we want to become. And so when we look ahead to this new year, as we think about the changes in our lives and the shifts we want to make, what kind of person do you want to become? What kind of habits or practices do you want to take into your life? The question I think for all of us as we're taking notes is this, is what is God calling me to this new year? And the first thing I think he's calling us to is this. God invites me, he invites all of us to give thought to our practices, to give thought to my practices. I love the phrase here from 1 Corinthians 9, 
Paul writing says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. For everyone who competes in the games, listen to this phrase, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But notice now, Paul, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. It's kind of intense. And make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, this is a a metaphor that Paul uses throughout the New Testament. He likens following Jesus to the work ethic of an athlete, the work ethic of training hard, the work ethic of striking a blow to our bodies. In other words, for Paul, I think the disciple of Jesus is a disciplined person. Now, we all kind of have these things, right? We, we are all creatures of habit. You have routines, rhythms that you embrace for your life, right? As the saying goes, there's a method to our madness every day. We are all creatures in this way. We all have habits and practices that we've adopted from family members. We've read in a book, right? We all do these kinds of things. But we know that it's got to be more than just what we've learned with our minds. Because for Paul, take this down, our bodies are the center point of our relationship to God. Think about that. Your body is the focal point in which you actually relate to God. You can think of it like this. There's nothing you do as a Christian that doesn't impact your body. Every part of your Christian life involves your physical body. And the reason why I think this is, is because you and I cannot just think our way to becoming like Jesus. If we, if we could, that would be amazing. Right? Like the matrix, you just, you just download Jesus right in the back of your neck. You get out of the chair and you just live in like him, right? No, we have to practice. We have to discipline ourselves. We have to do something to ourselves on a regular basis. We practice these things. Now, as Paul says in Romans 12, there is a transformation, right? Our minds are renewed, but notice the phrase he also uses in that well-known passage, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, right? So yes, it begins in the mind, We have to take some truth in, but we also have to do something with it in our lives. It has to actually change us. And here at Sandals Church, our vision of authenticity, friends, is not just religious lingo. To be real with ourselves, to be real with God, to be real with others is not just something we say. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living that affects the way that we use our bodies in every aspect. Now, I'm using the word practice, even though Solomon says, give thought to your ways. And Paul uses aggressive language like striking a blow to his body and training strictly. I don't know if it's just, you know, the Enneagram nine in me. (laughs) That discipline just sounds kind of aggressive, right? (laughs) Practice feels a little bit more welcoming. (laughs) But there are practices, right? And even Jesus himself had uh, this phrase in mind when he talked about following him. In his most famous teaching from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, notice these words. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He says that before he gets into all of his difficult teaching about life in the kingdom. 
And then he ends this entire message, this famous Sermon on the Mount with these words from Matthew 7. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What will you be practicing this new year? What kind of shifts will you make? What kind of changes will you make? If you're going to follow Jesus, how is that going to change the way that you relate to him in your very own body? And for us, I think just to drill this down a little bit more, let me just offer a a helpful discipline. I'm sorry, a helpful uh, definition for practice, for discipline. You can write this down. A spiritual practice is any practice that opens me up to the power and presence of God. A practice is anything that opens you up to the power and the presence of God. For some, it could be just silence, just being by yourself, being still before God, as the psalmist talks about. It can be reading scripture, memorizing scripture, studying God's word. It can be praying verbally, uh, uh, worship, singing is a spiritual practice. Eating food with friends, family is a spiritual practice. Come on now. Now we're actually going somewhere. Confession, a spiritual practice. Celebrating, milestones, right, can be a spiritual practice. A spiritual practice is anything that you can do that opens yourself up to both the power and the presence of God in that moment. So for some of you, what would it look like just to, as you begin your day, as you wake up, just instead of grabbing your phone, just to be still and to ask God, man, what what do you want to say to me today? Now, I know that's hard, man. The stat I read the other day said that 89% of us in America grab our phone as the first thing we do as we wake up. I'm guilty of that too. 89% of us, the first natural reaction we have in the morning is to just grab our device, whatever side the nightstand is on for you, right? We just grab it. We go to that first. But as a practice, as a discipline, what would it look like to just be still, to sit? What if if some of us at the end of our work week took a day off? Imagine that. (laughs) A day where you disconnected from work, from your devices, from the things that pull at you regularly, and you just did something like fun outside. You went for a walk. You went for a run. You spent the day with family or friends. You did something that filled you up. And don't hear me wrong. Listen, as Christians, we're not required to keep the Sabbath. We're freed to keep the Sabbath. We're free to detach from our work because it doesn't own us anymore. And our value isn't found in what we do. We're freed to rest. What if for some of you, you you carved out time in your week to open yourself up to other people, to be in community, to, to join other people in this journey of authenticity, becoming real with yourself, God, and others? What would that look like just to carve out some time, an hour or two, You see, the the big barrier that all of us have to come to grips with when it comes to these practices is that at the end of the day, we might like Jesus, but we're just too busy to follow him. We have too many other things on the calendar. And and if, if we're still under the impression that an inspiring talk once a week is going to change your life, you're missing it when it comes to following Jesus. We, we did not come out of the waters of baptism so that our calendars would just have a little Jesus attached to everything else we're doing. Practices are things that we embrace every day, every moment, 
where we become more and more aware that God is here. His power is with me. And I can become somebody different because I practice. I'm not performing. It's not perfection. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey of practicing. Now, here's why. Listen, if that's what practice is, here's why we need to give thought, as Solomon says, to our ways. Because secondly, as you're taking note, our practices give shape to our hearts. In other words, the things that we do, they form and shape our hearts. Notice the word from Proverbs 4, also from our dear boy, King Solomon. He says this, above all else, it's a big phrase to pay attention to, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, uh, another translation says the wellspring of your life comes out of your heart. Now, why would he say guard it? What he's getting at is that, man, your heart, my heart, it's the control center of who we are. And so at the end of the day, Solomon is saying, you do and I do whatever we most want to do. And so if we want to change what we want to do, we need to make small tweaks, practices, decisions, habits, new rhythms, because over time, as we do something, the more we'll want to do it. In the same way, the less we do something, the less we will want, there's the language of our heart, we will want to do it. And so this year in 2022, Sandals Church, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts because from it, your whole life flows. Well, how do I guard them? Practices. Practices. Small changes. Because we need to begin to connect the dots that the things that I am doing over time start to do something to me. And so as you're taking note, write this down. What I practice determines the kind of person I become. What I practice determines the kind of person I become. And so rather than thinking to yourself as a Christian, like, okay, I got all these tasks now I got to do according to scripture. Pause on that and just ask yourself, what kind of person do I want to become? Do I want to become a more prayerful person? Do I want to become a more kind person? Do I want to become just a little less anxious in a very anxious world? Yes. So what are the small things I can do that will help cultivate that end result? It's not the destination. It's the journey. It's the practice. You see, for some of us, we have these massive high goals. We become so fixated on loving the finish line, but not actually enjoying the race and enjoying the process that it takes for us to get there. Because change will come over time. And they won't happen until you and I actually engage the hard things that we need to do. So for some of us today, be thinking about, man, what's, what's the hard thing? What's the hard thing that you're actually avoiding? You should probably start in small ways doing that first. That can become the first shift that you do. You see, for many of us, this is the way I think the formula works when it comes to how we change and how we become a better person in 2022 or a more faithful follower to Jesus. It's this basic math formula. Practice plus the Holy Spirit plus as the great prophet from New York, Jay-Z, once said, <laughs> it's the hard knocks of life, volume one and two <laughs> equals transformation. So 
Before you think the order's wrong, it's Holy Spirit, then Jay-Z. But the hard knocks of life, time, the Holy Spirit, and your practices, that formula in time creates within us the results that we long to see, that hope that we long for in the beginning of the year. It can happen over time. It can become a new reality. Now, for some of you, though, you, you realize in this moment that the decision to change what you do is just going to cost you too much. And I totally get that. For some of you, the idea of Sabbath rest, it just, how am I going to get ahead? Or how am I going to get caught up? For, for some of you, the decision to pause for five minutes or even just two minutes to take in a psalm. You don't got to read all of 150, just take in a psalm, right? But for some of us, the the temptation is pulling at us right now that, man, this will just cost me too much to change and to start these practices. And that's very true. But I want you to think about this. What will it cost you to not change? What's what's it going to cost your soul to continue to be attached to your work? What's it going to do to you over time that if you think you can take just one hour of worship in a week and then 20 hours of the news... What's that going to do to you? Yes, it costs us a lot to change. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him. But how much more will it cost us if we don't change? If we don't do the work to actually change? Now, if that's why I want us, as we close town, to think about how can we begin? I want us to be real practical now. How can we begin to actually give thought to our practices, give thought to our ways, and experience an abundant life that Jesus calls us to? The first here begins with this thought. Take note if you're writing this down. The love of Jesus, listen now, the love of Jesus has freed us to practice and not forced us to perform. You see, wherever you are, you start with knowing and receiving God's love. Whatever experience you're working through, whatever hardship you have, you start with this foundation. Love must be the foundation of all practices. It's not just the environment that we practice in, like a gym to a basketball player. It's the actual fuel to our practice. Notice these words from Jesus in John 15. Now, mind you, Jesus gives these words to his disciples after he's already had the Last Supper with them, which means he's somewhere between the Last Supper and on his way to be betrayed, falsely accused, and then crucified. So this is a crucial teaching On that final night with his disciples, listen to his words. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The the way God the Father has loved Jesus, Jesus says, I have loved you in that same exact way. He says, now remain in my love. Remain in my love. What if this became the primary shift for some of us? Just to remain in the love of God for 2022. Nothing to earn, right? It doesn't say earn his love. He doesn't even say go and find his love. He says what? Remain in my love. His teaching continues. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. 
And see, the beauty of engaging in practices is that you would receive the joy of Christ, the joy of Jesus. And in keeping his commands, obedience is what he's getting at, you would do so because you have what? Already remained in his love. See, his love frees us to practice, hasn't forced us to try to perform, to try to earn, to try to become perfect. Remain in his love. Remain in it. And here are ways that I think that happens. As we close, just four thoughts as you think about what my life looks like to practice. First thing is this. Practice embraces balance. Practice embraces balance. Here's what I mean by that. When I was a basketball coach way back in the day, uh, it didn't matter whatever age group I was coaching, they always loved just to scrimmage. They didn't want to stretch. They didn't want to do drills. They want to look at film. They just wanted to get out and play. Now, there's a time and a place for that. You need to get them in game-like situations, you know, and simulate moments that will feel like a game so that they can get better. But at the same time, it needs balance. you got to run drills. you got to learn to shoot. you got to learn to pass. you got to learn the small little fundamentals of it so that you can actually put them into practice. There's balance to it. The same with our spiritual practice. you got to have balance. And what I mean by that is you got to have times where you are alone, but then you got to have times when you are in community. you got to have times when you are at church, taking in the service, being with God's people. And then you got to have times where you abstain from certain things. Right? There are different kinds of disciplines that are all part of a healthy diet of practice. And we need them all. So please don't hear me say you need to go home and read, you know, all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today. No. That might be a good starting point, but you need to involve yourself in other things too. It takes balance. And the other part of balance is this. Don't overdo it. Some of us have big goals, big desires, big changes we want to make. Start with something small. Balance. Consider what is the next step. Because honestly, the first step is always the hardest step. So take the first step in a small but real kind of way. It embraces balance. Secondly is practice embraces you and your life. In other words, you and I are freed to be who God has made us to be. We're all wired a certain kind of way. And so do the disciplines, do the practices that really fill your life and get you excited. For some of you, you really encounter God as you care for people and as you meet needs. Some of you love to serve. Man, that's a great way to experience God. That's a great practice to receive his power and his presence. Some of you, like me, man, you have to be in front of people, and so you need to withdraw and go far and far away for a long period of time and say nothing. I love that. I need that. That's the way I'm wired. I don't got to be ashamed of that. God made me that way. I like to just sit and shut up and think. It's part of who I am. So embrace who you are. You're not an accident. God loves you and the way that he made you. And so choose practices that fit the way you are designed. But again, have balance. You know, I like to be in a dark hole and say nothing, but at some point I got to come out and I got to say something. (laughs) And I got to be with people. And I got to share my life. And I got to open myself up to encouragement, exposure, being changed by other people and their life too. Practice also embraces not just you, but also your life. All of us right now are in a season of life. Some of you are in college. That's a season of life. Some of you are raising young kids. That's a hard season of life of life. Some of you are going through a divorce. That's a season of life. Some of you are sick right now. That is a season of life. It is okay 
Free yourself from unnecessary guilt and shame when it comes to practices. Be honest with God about where you're at and figure out what works right now. What works right now? And and consider this, that your current season of life is not the barrier to God. It's actually where God wants to meet you. You see, oftentimes we think about the external circumstances of our lives and imagine them as that's what's keeping me from God. My (laughs) four-year-old is keeping me from God. But maybe, maybe that's where God wants to meet me. Right there in that hard conversation. Right there in that voice of hers. (laughs) I love you, Ella, but that voice, girl. Think of your season of life not as a barrier, but the exact place where God wants to meet you. As you read through the Old Testament, man, what you find over and over again is that God is very unpredictable and he meets people in the craziest of places. That's how he does it. The Exodus began with God finding a murderer in the desert. And then he goes and sends him on a mission. John the Baptist, a weirdo who's eating bugs, barely clothed, who rebukes both soldiers and the government and the tax collectors. God meets him there. Know that you serve a faithful God, but you serve an unpredictable God, which means he can meet you anywhere. Your season of life doesn't have to be a barrier. It can be exactly where he meets you. So find the practices that work there. Thirdly, practices embrace your greatest need. Like any physician, when you come in and get a diagnosis or you get prescribed something, they consider what's the greatest situation you're facing first. They maybe start there. Not always, but sometimes they start with your greatest need. Do the same for yourself. Is there an addiction you have? Is there something that you can't beat? Whatever is your your greatest struggle right now, think about starting there. Especially for those of us who do wrestle with addictions. For those of us who do feel kind of caught in the trap of sin, consider for a moment that you need the practice of abstinence, right? In other words, if you have uh, an issue committing the sin of commission, then you need to think of omission, abstinence. What do I need to remove? For some of you, it's the power and the practice of fasting saying no to yourself. You see, anytime that we have an addiction, whether it's a sexual one or we just, we consume too much content or uh, whatever the case is, whatever that bodily appetite is that just seems to overwhelm you, consider the power of practicing fasting in which you go to God, not just trying to make it through the day without eating a pretzel, but you just say, God, I, I know At the core of who I am, I am not this appetite. This appetite is strong. This appetite dictates my thoughts and what I want to do, but I am not my body's appetite. I'm who Jesus says I am. And so for this period of time, I want to abstain. I want to abstain and learn, as Paul says, to get control of my body. And this can happen with our devices. For some of us, it's become like a a third arm, right? We're so attached to our phones. Sometimes it's just TV, it's shopping, whatever, whatever it is that that appetite draws you in to consume. Think about abstinence. For some of you, if your greatest need is apathy, right? In other words, you're kind of just in this season, this rut of feeling apathetic towards everything. Like in your head, you believe in God and you know Christian truth, but you just feel apathetic. Maybe you need to practice engagement. You need to step into somewhere and serve somebody and encounter the power and the presence of God through service. You need to get off your butt and do something with yourself. Do something. Apathetic people should take steps towards practices of engagement. Find something that isn't sexy, 
and do that. Find something that you don't post on your IG story and do that. Begin to engage. Begin to find God in places where people have needs. Whatever your greatest need is, find practices that can meet you there. And lastly, and maybe the hardest for so many of us, is practice embraces repetition. Practice embraces repetition. What I hear so much from people is, oh, I tried that, Pastor, that didn't work. Well, keep doing it. (laughs) Keep doing it. Well, I'm really wrestling with pride, and I'm like, well, I don't really have that issue, so I don't know how to help you. That was a joke. That's a joke. It's a bad joke. But stay in community. Stay in it. Well, I have community. Well, you probably have friends. You don't have community who call you out on your stuff, right? Because it's rare that you meet a prideful person who actually is in real authentic community where somebody knows them or serves somebody. Practice embraces repetition. We do it over and over again. And what feels like you just sitting there again praying is you becoming more like Jesus. What often feels like you just sitting there reading your Bible, nothing, no feeling, nothing really happening, it's you becoming more like Jesus. You sitting there sharing a meal with someone as they just pour out their heart and their life to you, that's you becoming more like Jesus. You pausing for just a crazy part of your day just to breathe in a scripture like remain in my love, that's you becoming more like Jesus. You listening to pain, you working for justice, all of those things that feel as though they do nothing in the end, it's doing something. It's you and I becoming like Jesus. And then all of a sudden, A day comes around and you wake up and you're different. You're different. People see it. They don't know how to explain it. Maybe you don't know how to explain it, but over time, these practices transform us. Embrace the repetition. You know, I mentioned my daughter, Ella, and one of the things that she loves to do with me is is to spin. She loves to be spun. And I get over it real fast. (laughs) But what do I do is I pick her up, I kiss her on her cheek, I squeeze her real tight, and I just spin like crazy, right? I just keep going and going and going until like a knee feels like it's about to give out, and I stop. And then she, she gets on the ground, and she just keeps spinning and spinning, and I go and sit down, and then she comes up to me and says, do it again. Do it again, right? Kids, young children have uh, uh, just a great desire and a longing for repetition. They love it. And it reminds me of just this amazing quote from someone who I read years ago. His name is G.K. Chesterton. And he has this really just heady, rich book called Orthodoxy. We'll bore you with everything in it, but there's this amazing line about repetition I want you to hear. Chesterton writes, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough, listen now, to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatically necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them at all. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old 
and our Father is younger than we. God, like my daughter, loves repetition. Do it again. And the good news of Jesus is that God just doesn't say, do it again to the sun, to the moon, to the daisies, to the universe. God says, do it again to his grace for you. God says, do it again to his forgiveness for you. God says, do it again for his mercy, his patience, his spirit. God says, do it again every day to all of us. And though we might grow so frustrated with the thought of repetition, God loves it because he loves you. God just doesn't love this man. God just doesn't love the finish line, Alfredo. He loves the Alfredo that's right here. God just doesn't love you at the end of your life when your race is done. He loves you right in the middle when you don't want to do another lap. That's where he loves you. That's where he loves you. And so the the invitation to shift this year is because God loves repetition. And he wants to see it in all of us. He wants to see the right kind of shifts because at the end of the day, you guys, these practices are meant to have God. If, if you view your religious duty as just that, you're missing out on the joy that Jesus was talking about. Every practice is meant to open you up to encounter God. And what your soul needs in 2022 is God. It's God. It's what we need. It's who we need, you guys. It's what we need moving forward. And so as you do the hard work, and as you come every week, as Pastor Matt just lays out beautiful pictures of different people in different stages of life at different times, all encountering God, may you find the joy there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you love repetition. And you say, do it again. We have hope in our practices because God, you and Jesus already finished the work on the cross. You said it was finished and it's finished. And now we get to practice and live from a place of hope. And so would you change us? God, as we look to a new year, would we submit all of ourselves, our goals, our dreams and our changes to you? and know that it is through encountering you in practice that we are changed and transformed. Would you do this in our church? Do this work in Sandals Church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.